0: Hi everyone, this is Greg Harton. I'm the editorial page editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I'm uh, today with uh, Rusty Turner, the editor of our uh, Democrat Gazette here in Northwest Arkansas, and today we have the opportunity to visit with Lou Reed Sharp, who uh, is from Washington County uh, near Tinytown, and she is a Democrat making her second run to serve uh, District 80 in the Arkansas House of Representatives. She's a retired nurse who co-founded Circle of Life, of Life Hospice in Springdale. And, uh, we appreciate you being here.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Uh, well, listen, uh, as we've done with all of these, uh, I wanted to, to just describe, uh, District 80, if you would, uh, geographically so people know where we're talking about.
1: All right. Well, um, District 80, Runs from south of Tawny Town, it picks up West Fayetteville, it goes west to the Oklahoma line, so it picks up Cincinnati and Summers, Arkansas, south of Springs, then it runs south down. Um, we pick up uh, part of pra- most of Prairie Grove, all of Lincoln, south of Strickler, Hog Cane Hill. We go through the Ozark National Forest. We have big, three big national parks in the district, but we go through the National Forest, go through Evansville and Uniontown, and we go, we pick up half of Crawford County, but only the town of Cedarville. So it's a very rural, but that's the layout of the land. So it's all of the Oklahoma border up to south of Taunton.
0: So probably with uh, all of these Zoom uh, events and, and uh, the COVID-19 thing, you're not putting near as many miles on your vehicle as, uh, as you would otherwise.
1: Well, it's been interesting. So yeah. <laughs> it's been interesting.
0: Well, uh, if you would just tell us a little bit about uh, your thought process as you decided to, to run for this office again and uh, and what people from District 80 can expect uh, from you if you are elected on November 3rd to be their representative.
1: Okay, well, I like, you know, as I said, my name's Lou Reed Sharp, and I like to, when I meet people, I like to tell them I'm a nurse first. Um, I bring a very unique set of life experience and skills to this campaign. I've literally worked my entire life fighting for services like healthcare in rural communities in Western uh, Washington, Benton, Madison County. I've done it my entire life. Um, I can tell you that four years ago, I really didn't expect to run. But they were fixing to try, they were trying to take away our health care, and I had seamstresses that weren't going to be able to afford to buy their medications. I'm not sure I expected to run again, but things are even worse now. They're still trying to take away our health care. We've been existing on minimal standards, but COVID has certainly exacerbated all of um all of our problems, and especially in our rural areas, and I don't want those rural areas forgotten. We now know that schools are essential services. They provide not only education, but they provide food, they provide health, they provide safety, they're even a childcare mechanism. You asked me about mileage. Well, let me tell you, every day I'm working with rural families helping with food deliveries into those communities. Every day I see people that are sick with preventable illnesses, but they're fighting homelessness. Or they're working and still relying on the community pantry. The kids rely on the food as their only safety net. And our local neighbors are fighting big, massive dirt farms in the middle of their farmland and communities. So I've been out in the community a long time and I bring a very unique set of um, community-based problem-solving skills, working in collaboration, with the community leaders i mean years ago it started when i expanded home health into the siloam and cincinnati area and then we brought on hospice because the community needed it you know most recently six months ago when covid hit within three days we converted my little business it's a sewing center into a making face masks. We've created and sold thousands of face masks and created jobs in the process because our local nurses and teachers couldn't get PPE. And during campaigning, we have literally pivoted to where I have expanded, extended the food deliveries from the food bank in Western Fayetteville into Prairie Grove and Lincoln, and so we load up 46 boxes, take them to West Fedville, go back and load up all of our cars and then take 20 more boxes to families and students in Prairie Grove and Lincoln and Cane Hill. You know, so those are just examples of where we've taken problems and created opportunities to work with the community to get things done. And that's why I'm running because I've done it all my life, um, and, and people need a voice.
0: You mentioned um, you mentioned they're trying, still trying to take away health care, in the context of the state legislature. Who is the they, and 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 what what specifically are you talking about as far as eroding health care?
1: Oh, I'm talking about where they're in the Supreme Court trying to get rid of the pre-existing co- the pre-existing conditions. I um, mean, the workforce re- the workplace requirements was ruled unconstitutional. But we really we see a lot of people out there that are real risks to losing their health care.
0: So you're you're speaking about the U.S. Supreme Court and the national yes, effort yes. on Affordable yes. Care Act. Yes. Yes. So so how do you feel like you can influence uh, those issues as a state legislator?
1: I think we just have to keep talking about it and pu- and pushing for it and making sure that people have access to health care and can afford to buy their medications and stuff.
0: Okay. What, what other sort of issues do you feel like the people of uh, your district uh, want a lawmaker to go down there and address?
1: You know, I've... It seems to me like that there's so much, there's almost systemic poverty in some of the rural areas. And, and if people aren't um, speaking up for them, sometimes we just kind of get forgotten because we're so, we're so rural, and, you know, and there's not jobs, there's not as many jobs out there and it's further away from your um, urban areas. Um, people want to be heard I think we're going to have to address the um, and try to revitalize those rural communities and at the same time make sure those educational systems are well funded and are creating healthy communities and making sure that people have access to health care
2: Lou I'm, I'm interested in your uh, I'm interested in your perspective as a as a Healthcare professional or a former healthcare uh-huh. professional on the state's response to the pandemic.
1: How did
2: we? Yeah. How did we do? Uh, what do you think we could have done differently as a state? And uh, what do you see as as, as needs uh, related to those issues going into the next legislative session?
1: Um. You know, COVID really exacerbated things. And you know, when the governor um, issued the closure in March, I mean, this is how I look at it. The virus lasts 14 days. So how in the world are we still dealing with it six or seven months later and rolling closures and quarantines and stuff? I mean, I understand that everybody has personal responsibility, but I can and in my small business when um, they issued a mandate to wear masks, it did make a difference of people going into the local businesses next to me, suddenly people were wearing masks, even if it was just as a courtesy, you know, to that business owner. Um, so I think there's a lot to do. I think going into legislature, I think one of the things we're gonna to have to do um, is pay attention to and I'm doing it now is to the CARES Act and the Steering Committee and and all of the monies that are fixing, that are they're fixing to disperse again. Um, you know, I'm still seeing a lot of displaced families out there that have lost their jobs, got evicted, now they moved to Arkansas, they're living in a car, they're trying to find a job, but they're 30 minutes from, from a metropolitan city. Um, you still find people that aren't able to buy masks. They can't, they don't even have access to much, you know, and not only that, they're not thinking about it if they haven't had any food. And sign, and it's not that they don't want to, but also see, cause you also have other community pantries and stuff like that. But if they don't have access to the news and the reporting on a regular basis, they don't realize that um, say Life Ministries is open on Tuesday and Thursday morning or that, the, you know, the food bank is available at certain amounts of time. It's, you know, they just, there's a lot la- a void almost as far as information also. Um, and I see that need is ongoing. I mean, I'm a nurse, you wash your hands, you wear a mask, um, you pay attention to other people, but there's a still a lot of education that needs to be go, needs to go on. Um, People don't realize you don't shake hands, you, you fist bump, right? Especially if they think it's a hoax. So
2: So do you think the governor's approach and the State Health Department's approach has been appropriate? Have they overreached? Have they not done enough? What just what's your evaluation of, of how that's gone?
1: I don't think they I don't think they've done enough. I think there's still a real issue getting protective equipment to schools. I think we sent our teachers back into school systems and we needed to look at the the ventilation systems in the schools and we rushed back in there. And I understand we need to get the economy back going, but I mean, I, I was listening to the steering committee this week and some people were talking about spending money um, to upgrade the, the computer systems for the state of Arkansas. Well, the CARES Act money isn't designed for that. It's designed for hands-on help, you know, so you really need a representative that's paying attention to stuff like that in Little Rock and can raise their hand and say, wait a minute, you know, that's, that's why we need more Democrats in Little Rock is so that we can get some things done and out of committees and not just blanket stamp, rubber stamp everything. Um, You know, we need people yelling about some of this stuff.
0: And and just for people who may not be familiar, the CARES Act uh, Steering Committee is is the one helping uh, make uh, the determinations about how to spend that federal money that was was delivered to the state to help respond to uh, COVID-19. Yes,
1: yes, and um, I just happened to be watching watching some committee meetings, and that came up, and it was an interesting discussion. You know, 85% of the people in District 80 live in Washington County. Now, it may be redistricted when the census comes out, but, you know, I really strongly feel like I'm a very hands-on candidate, I absolutely know those neighbors that live in Weddington Woods that have been dealing with with the dirt mines. So, you know, when you go into Little Rock, because that's licensed by ADEQ, you know, and you have hearings, then, you know, you call those neighbors and say, let's carpool down here and let's see, see if we can't have some input into this meeting. Um, I mean, uh, I'm just a very hands-on person and, and I think District 80 needs that level of representation.
0: The, um, one of the issues related to COVID-19 that will, will probably come up in the next legislative session is the emergency powers granted to the governor um, and uh, you know the, there's the lawsuit uh, with some lawmakers who are challenging yeah. Uh, some of the uh, public health uh, directives, um, and and believe the legislature needs to be more uh, of an active part of that. So so far into a an emergency situation, um, how do you feel about that?
1: I think the governor did not do enough. I think had we literally been more forceful for two weeks, we would not be dealing with this continual onslaught of, our, onslaught of our neighbors dying and our friends dying. I mean, it's just like two weeks ago, I found out that you had 14 people die in a nursing home in Springdale, Arkansas. And this was the day that, that the governor was bragging about how good of a job we're doing in Springdale, Arkansas. You know, we th- this, This virus is just that. It's a virus. It's controllable. It's treatable. I think he didn't do enough. I think if we'd relied on the legislator, it'd still be being discussed in committee. This is a health issue. You know, what you do impacts me, it impacts my children, it would impact my husband. He would die right? Because we're all at high risk. We all have pre-existing conditions.
0: So so as a lawmaker, are you saying that that you would join in some of the efforts to try to cha- structurally change how Arkansas and its governor and its legislature deals with an, a, a, an emergency situation?
1: I think in this case with health care, he, I think he did I think he needed the authority to do what was necessary to protect our citizens. Okay. I mean I uh, yeah. so.
0: okay. okay, um let's talk for just a, a moment about uh, something else that's been going on for
1: mm-hmm.
0: the duration of of COVID-19 and that is the upheaval over uh I guess you call it race relations Mm -hmm. and uh law enforcement and how law enforcement Mm -hmm. does its job what do you think the role is of a legislator in responding to what's happened over the last several months related to that and 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 what do you what do you feel like uh the state of arkansas could do from a state legislative perspective
1: You know, I've been going to the quorum court meetings, so I'm more aware of the issues that that have been brought up in Washington County with the overcrowding. Um, and I would probably I would go back and rely on some of the jail studies um, to see why we have such an overqu- overcrowding in our prison populations. I know out there in the communities. Um, you know we still have lack such a significant lack of mental health services um, and we and we need to keep our community safe um, but I really would prefer to see us upgrade our community support services to support families in crisis rather than you know because one of the things that disturbed me with the um, with the jails and the overcrowding was the number of people that we were holding on pretrial. And they haven't even been tried yet. They're sitting in jail for months because they haven't made bond or they they failed to show up. So I think there's some other things that actually Sheriff Helder's looking at now like the ankle restraints and stuff like that. And I think those are long overdue. And it's probably the same situation in, in Little Rock, and it's probably comes down to funding. Um, um, so I think this, you know, as a legislature, you could probably look at the funding and help some um, improve some of the the social services that need to augment your police services. I don't know, does that answer your question? Yeah,
0: and and of course there have been some calls for you know what some people view as more radical type things. You know the the defund the police yeah. movement and and that sort of thing. Uh, uh, do you do you feel any um, uh, sense of connection to any of that?
1: Um, no, I don't. Absolutely not. Because I mean, in a rural area, so people don't want people breaking into their homes and stuff. But by the same time, to hold a husband or a spouse in the county jail just because they couldn't make bond and you pull them out of the workforce and then those kids get pulled out of the home and then they end up in foster care and in a different school system. It's just a reciprocal um, type impact. I think defunding is is absolutely the wrong word to use. I do think we need to add your community support services. Okay, and maybe even expand your drug, drug court services, expand the crisis stabilization unit, expand the utilization of social workers, maybe do it through a collaboration with your social work programs. Um, maybe even go as far as, um, you know, I'm a nurse, so I'm, you know, I'm not licensed now, but, but when I had my license, I mean, you did a lot to maintain your license. You didn't screw up. You know, maybe, maybe they need to come up with a certification or licensure system so that, you know, even if it means that you're paying them more money, so that in fact, um, um, they're more accountable. I mean, we absolutely have to have our police. I mean, I hear about it out in the rural communities because our, our rural communities are disproportionately affected because of the poverty. So, in fact, they, they do have more issues and there are more problems. Okay. And, I, and they're more apt not to have that bond. And they're also, I can tell you, if, you're, if you live in Morrow, Arkansas, you are not gonna get a cell phone text to tell you to show up for your trial. And then you're gonna go back to court because of failure to appear. You, you don't have cell phone coverage in Cane Hill and Morrow. So, I I mean, there's just other ways. I think there's ways that we can address some of these issues in the community. Okay.
2: Lou, I want to ask you about highways, roads and highways. Um, And I specifically want to ask you about issue one on the ballot, the half-sits sales tax that will- Yes, sir. (laughs) That would be made permanent if the the, the temporary tax that would be made permanent if the voters agree. What's your take, how are you gonna vote, and why?
1: Well, certainly roads are an issue in rural Arkansas, uh, especially gravel roads and where, where they're, they're putting gravel. Um, I mean, we have to have roads because we need to, uh, I mean, they're the basis of our economy and job growth and stuff like that. Um, I, I do have some concerns about it being baked into the Constitution. Um, So I want to make sure that if, in fact, the voters want to bake that into the Constitution, you know, that somebody is yelling, what about Highway 59 going from Lincoln to Siloam Springs? Um, You know, we just can't because people that live over there, and I know part of the money goes goes to the rural areas, but people that live over there are driving 40 miles. So they're even spending more gas money to get someplace. Um, so um, that's my two cents on on the, um, yeah. the gas tax.
2: So can you tell us how you're gonna vote uh, on issue one?
1: How am I gonna vote on issue yeah. one? Well, you know, I'm still studying issue one. Um, I do have some legitimate concerns about, we can't get the ERA passed in Arkansas, right? So, I mean, we're suddenly going to change the constitution. Um, I'll probably vote yes, but I'm still studying it.
2: Okay. Um, Issue two would change uh, the regulations on term limits. Currently you can serve 16 years in either house and then you're, and then you're done. Uh, This new proposal would allow you to serve 12 years in either house, take a four year break and then come back. So any thoughts there on how you might vote on issue two?
1: Yeah, we need new blood. So I think term limits are a good thing. So I don't think it should be extended. I'm against term limits. I'm against issue two.
2: Okay. And issue three uh, changes the way the rules about how citizen-led initiatives get placed on the ballot before the voters. Mm -hmm. Um, Critics say it makes it harder, makes it much more difficult for citizens to get get a citizen-led initiative on the ballot. People who support it say it would limit the influence of -of out-of-state Interests in in getting uh, items on the ballot and also spreads out the uh, the the um, uh, signature collection to rural areas rather than just in metro areas. So, what are, what's your thought on issue three?
1: No, I th- I would vote no on issue three. I think it's going to make it much more difficult for the regular people to get issues on the ballot. That means it's all left up to the legislative people. I was one of those hundred thousand signatures that got kicked out on a on a technicality about a redistricting plan for Arkansas. Redistricting is bipartisan. Why why does anyone, you know, let the citizens have a voice? We shouldn't be making anything more difficult for regular people. Um, no, I'm I'm totally against it.
2: Okay, thank you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, one thing I've been trying to touch base with, uh, all of the candidates on is, uh, mm-hmm. the, because it's such an important issue to a lot of people in Northwest Arkansas, mm-hmm. not specific to district mm-hmm. 80, but, um, mm-hmm. is, uh, the Buffalo national river and the, uh, discussion that's been going on for years about how, uh, the, um, kind of the commercial scale hog farms, uh, the, the one particular one that was licensed and the state bought out. Um, uh, and the discussion about uh, placing a permanent moratorium on any large-scale or or, uh, medium-sized hog farms uh, commercial hog farms Um, and uh, that idea of a moratorium really has kind of bogged down a bit uh, when it reached the legislators uh, so I'm not sure where that's headed, but I was curious as to what you felt like needed to happen around the Buffalo River.
1: Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, we dealt with moratoriums a lot in home health and hospice services, but the Buffalo River, I mean, I've gotten heavily involved with the dirt mine in western Washington County that actually butts up to the city limits of Fedville. Well, that dirt mine that is just ravaging those hillsides, it's destroying the wells, it's sitting on the Illinois River watershed. And, you know, we have some major concerns with the pollutants and stuff that are flowing into Oklahoma. So no, I think there should be a moratorium on the, the Buffalo uh, River, on the, the big pig farms, because they are they are owned by big corporations I mean, they're not a farm like I had growing up where we had some piglets and we had cattle that we butchered, you know, for feed and stuff like that. These are totally different. I think we have to protect our environment and everyone needs clean water. And there's a lot of farmers out there. I mean, they tested my dad's property to make sure it was hot. And we live by Clear Creek. I mean, everybody follows the rules. Um, no, I, I would be for a moratorium. I don't think we should have to revisit that. Okay.
0: Well, we've just got just a couple of minutes left. Um, we don't always ask the right question uh or <laughs> the questions that uh you might have some answers for. Uh so uh just is there something that we didn't ask about that you wanted to uh make sure you got an opportunity to say?
1: Well, no, and I appreciate the I appreciate the opportunity to talk to y'all. Um and to the community as a whole. Um, I think our communities and towns have the solutions to a lot of their problems. They know what they'd change and what they'd do differently. I think we need a legislative legislature and leaders that help them get the tools and connect the dots so that they can figure out how to do it. I mean, the University of Arkansas and this you know, this metropolitan area is right here. So yes, we like our rural way of life, but I think those people can solve those problems. Sometimes you don't know the right question to ask, so you don't even realize that you can tap into innovative programs or um, NTI or different things like that. So, and I think I'm very good at that. I've done that all my life. I've worked across party lines with the medical community, with leaders in the community to expand home health and to build a hospice house that literally we campaigned across the state to get done to make sure that the rules could accommodate the needs of the people. And, and i that's just part of who I am. And, and I think I think people need to be aware of that. I don't know all the answers, but I certainly know how to get hold of people that live in the community that are impacted by these things.
0: All right. Well, we do appreciate your time very much. Uh, appreciate uh, uh, you, you running for office, certainly, uh, oh, yeah. along with all the other candidates. And um, uh, thanks for being here with
2: us today.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lou. Oh, thank you, Rusty. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate you. Mm -hmm. Take care. Thank you.